0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise.
1: Hello, and welcome to the EM360 Podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape My name is Max Girton, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360, and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm being joined by TJ Gonan, who is the head of cloud product line at Checkpoint Software Technologies. So welcome to the show, TJ. And uh, if you wouldn't mind giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself before we delve into today's topic.
0: Yeah, sure. So as you said, TJ Gonan, I'm with Checkpoint right now, I'm running the cloud security product. I'm actually fairly new to Checkpoint. I joined beginning of this year after uh, the acquisition of my company, Protego Labs, in the serverless security space, which Checkpoint acquired late last year, December. Before founding Protego, together with my co-founders, I was with SafeNet and Gemalto, running the data protection product lines and the application security area, mostly on the business unit side and the marketing side. Grew up in Israel, moved to the US 11
1: years ago, and that's it. So a wealth of experience, which is why you've come to the show today, because you're going to be discussing securing native cloud developments in the current landscape and the possibility of a cybersecurity pandemic with the post-COVID-19. So I wanted to start off with that kind of area and find out from your perspective what concerns you might have for cybersecurity post-COVID in relation to the agility and the rapid increase of cloud adoption.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think COVID definitely turned the things up for cloud adoption. Mm -hmm. In any case, everybody was moving to the cloud, there was no doubt. And it's been probably the biggest initiative on people's agenda, enterprises, small businesses all over the place. COVID definitely accelerated it. And I think the biggest concern in post-COVID or I don't know, by the way, when is (laughs) (laughs) post-COVID? This is very true, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to it. But I think one of the things that we're experiencing is that definitely from a security perspective, I think just generally speaking, people found themselves with the need to move way faster than they feel comfortable with. And security is just one element of that. But I think everybody was struggling to find themselves suddenly supporting 100% of the workforce working remote, for example. And how do you support that? Forget even security, just infrastructure perspective. And then when you layer on top of that security, one must question themselves, hey, how is this going to look like? Can we really move this fast without side effects of this thing? Because if we can move so fast, why haven't we moved so fast before? I can tell you whether it was checkpoint where we are at, like where I'm at right now, or where probably where you work or people you work with, they needed to support... I think a checkpoint we move to 100% remote in 2 weeks or something like that. So suddenly you need everybody to be able to access remotely. And what does that look like from an infrastructure perspective? What does that look like from a security perspective? I think that's the biggest concern I would have. What have we left behind? Like what gaps, what cost maybe, you know, took over a lot of costs that we didn't plan for, what gaps have we left behind from security perspective, infrastructure perspective. I think there's a lot of things like that that you just can't tackle when you move so fast. That's, I think, the biggest concern. From a security perspective, it's even bigger because security is in any case behind, (laughs) usually. And now you suddenly found yourself, if you're a security officer, I mean, I'm sure that there's a few security officers that got like very close to a heart attack. When the organization came and said, okay, so listen, mister, two weeks, everybody's in the cloud, or two weeks, everybody's remote. And, and the security officer goes, oh, oh okay. <laughs> what, what, what do I do with that now? Two weeks? What do you mean, two weeks? I, I've, I'm still behind on the stuff you did a year ago. What, what do you mean, in two weeks? So I think, I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on the other end of it
1: it had that kind of forcing the hand very quickly. And as you say, security is always playing catch up, unfortunately. And when we do have this kind of mass increase of adoption, it it does beg that question of how do organizations kind of deal with attacks in the cloud that have been driven by this pandemic? And as you say, we're not even sure of what the gaps are yet of whether things were done correctly. So how can they really, I don't know, get a plan in place to make sure that there is something set up there?
0: Yeah I think one of the things that uh maybe worthwhile to to bring up is what are the real concerns in the cloud just generally pre-pandemic post-pandemic and how do they get accelerated in this situation that we are at right now If you look at it and you try to you know boil down what's really different about cloud security or securing your applications in the cloud versus what you've done before and I think that there's a lot of sort of fud around cloud security, right? It's less secure because it's in the cloud. That's not true. (laughs) By definition, it's not true. It's not less secure because it's in the cloud. That's not an essence of why it's not secure. Potentially, you might have gaps because the cloud is a new environment, but that's not even that also. I think the biggest thing is that the cloud allows you to move really fast and to adopt new services really fast. Now, that's a trajectory that organizations have been on for even before cloud. Cloud just accelerated it. If you look at the way that people deploy new applications, new capabilities, develop new capabilities into their infrastructure, that's been on the rise or at least trying to get faster forever. Cloud just allowed you to do everything with a script or with two clicks of a mouse. So I can launch a data center in two clicks of a mouse or a script. I can deploy my application to that data center with two clicks. I can deploy now 15,000 containers without caring. So, The biggest problem that security had pre-pandemic was dealing with cloud scale and speed. It's not that the things are different. It's just that the scale and speed is different. And when I say different, a hundred times different (laughs) or a hundred times faster. You mentioned about security being behind. So let's go back 15 years ago. I'm a developer or an application development organization, I'm launching a new application, and the security guy goes and says, hey, just wait a minute, I need two weeks to configure security around this thing and test security for this thing, and whatever, three weeks, three months, whatever it took. Now what happens is the same developer, the same application development organization has been spending literally the last 10 years automating everything, and then came cloud and literally made everything as code And now that same developer goes and says, hey, I just launched five new capabilities into five new virtual data centers, and these things will scale tomorrow from one machine to maybe 10,000 machines in the cloud, and it's just gonna happen. Now, if you're a security guy, you're gonna say, just a second, I need to make sure these machines are properly configured, that they have the right permissions, that only the people that need access to them have them and that the firewall is there, that the application firewall is there. And that if there's a drifting configuration, I need to know about it and I need to identify. How do you do that when everything is literally deployed in seconds or milliseconds and it's, the developer has zero effort to do it? If you think about the lack of parity between what application development organizations can do today in the cloud age or in the cloud native age and what security can do, there is a huge gap in scale and speed. Everything is getting automated on the introduction of capabilities and everything is not automated in the world of security. So back to your question, now you take that and you try to say, okay, how do I actually now adapt to this thing when... If before the pandemic, I could say, hey, you know what, guys, I get it. You can run really fast, but I need whatever, five time, the time that you need. Today, with the pandemic, you can't say that anymore at all. I mean, you couldn't say that really before even because the barbarians are at the gate and they will just run you over if you just say slow down. But with the pandemic, what do you say? No people we can't move to uh, no people can't connect remotely let's just wait or people can't use cloud services let's just wait i need to configure my firewall it's not going to happen so i think back to the original question of what people need to do first thing you need to understand that maybe this is a great opportunity to figure out that you have to change your mindset as a security practitioner you have to change your mindset you have to be as automated from a scale and speed perspective, as the stuff that you are charged with protecting. If you don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, how do I automate the presence of security? How do I make it sure it's continuous, even if I'm not around? How do I make sure that when the developer deployed something new, security is already there automatically and I don't need someone to sit down and configure it for three weeks? If you don't think like that, by definition, with Pandemic or without, you're going to lose the battle. With pandemic, you lost the battle already. <laughs> like you're, you're already toast because you're behind. So I think automation is the number one priority that people should have from a security perspective. And then go back to the things you sort of used to do before, whatever it is, network security, ask yourself, okay, how do I automate it at scale and speed? Okay, you did application security. How do I automate that at scale and speed? You did patch management, posture management, sort of patch management, vulnerability scanning. How do you automate it? We have a saying in my startup. It said, it ain't done till it's automated. So whatever you're working on, a project, you're not done until it's fully automated. If there's still pieces that are not automated, you're still working on the project. Because otherwise, you're going to fail.
1: So I think mindset change is probably the number one priority. I think that's very true and it's mindset that should really be in place from the get-go when it comes to cybersecurity to be proactive rather than reactive to a situation for things coming in and automation is definitely an interesting area and it comes back to the conversation we were speaking about previously it is also difficult don't you think to get that process in place when you're being bombarded with all of this stuff coming at you it's hard to kind of strike that balance because look at what happened when we first went into lockdown it was Immediately, oh, let's just get everyone on VPNs and that will solve the problem. And then from a security standpoint, it was, hang on, wait a minute, that's not going to be good in the long term. You're going to open up a lot of issues. So how do you strike that balance? You know what? It's funny when you were
0: starting to talk about the balance. In my head, it went that the biggest challenge people have is really balancing between past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. It's always the day-to-day sort of overwhelms you you're almost forced to be reactive because you are in a position where you still need to deal with the day-to-day and then you have to balance that with planning for the future. One of the things is, again, I'm very big into mindset. So if we're talking about mindset, I think that the first thing that you need to understand from a security perspective, that your job definition changed. And it's not being the gatekeeper because that's those. Listen, if you're a security officer and you're spending your time in saying no, someone is going to replace you. Your job definition changed to stay out of the way. <laughs> that's, that's your job. De- that's your new job description. It's do your thing, stay out of my way. So I think that's one thing security people need to understand. I've been doing this for 20 some years and the no-sayer was the thing, you know, like the CISO or the security officer was like the lawyer and the accountant, you know, like they are the people that you come with an initiative and say, oh man, listen, this is really dangerous. We need to change this. We can't do this. You can't say no anymore. You're a business enabler. And I think people understand that. They say that. But the problem with that, just how do you not say no? Because you still own security and people will come to you. So I think mindset change here is that, and this will, I think, touch on the question you asked. You have to change. I call it change from no, from saying no to no with a K. You have to understand Three things I would say if I have to bring this together. The first one is what is coming down the road? If you don't spend 20% to 25% of your time understanding the roadmap of the application developer or the business, let's call it, then you're going to lose the battle anyway. I'm putting aside pandemic, right? (laughs) Because it's very hard to, to forecast pandemic. I would say it's an extreme case of what you should be doing anyway. It would be interesting to do a survey like that. Maybe we should. How many security officers spend 20%, whatever, X amount of time talking with their application developers, asking them, hey, what are you looking at adapting? What is the new stuff that's down the road for you? Which technologies are you looking at? Are you going to be using serverless computing? Are you going to be using Kubernetes? Are you going to use containers? Which cloud services are you really excited by? What's the new deployment process you're looking at? How are you automating your stuff? If you don't know the answers to these questions, by definition, you're gonna be off guard when these things are getting introduced, and that's what always happens. So you can't say no. You have to move to know with a K, which is one: understand where are things going, be ahead of the game, understand what they're adapting, what are they piloting right now, because the timelines, as you probably have seen a hundred times in the last five years, if they're POCing something today. In two weeks, it's in production. <laughs> That's what happens right now. People like play with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just the sandbox that I'm playing with uh, Amazon Lambda, AWS Lambda. And then, you know, five weeks after it's, oh, yeah, yeah I have this function there in production. It's, doing, it's not doing a lot, but it's there in production. So I think the security officer job, thinking about it, they need to have a CTO sort of. They need to have someone like in the security office that is looking ahead not just technologies, but looking ahead of what the developers and the application teams are working on, what are they thinking on, what are they going to adapt so they can stay out of the game so they know what to prepare to. And then once you know, you need to be able to say yes to these things or at least provide a way to adapt them. And this is another mindset change that I think is very much lacking today. Talk with security people, you hear the term of guardrails. So if you think about it, it's such a bad connotation. Like for me personally, guardrail sounds very limiting. (laughs) It sounds like you're going to write electric fences. If I move, you're going to electrify me. If you think about this age we're living in where the developer and the DevOps people are king, they're the king. They're the real business. You're a security, you're enabling them. So guardrails is such a bad connotation. And I think that part of this shift also, people need to start to think about, hey, listen, It's not about guardrails. I actually want you to move fast. I want you to move fast. Here's a paved road. So the paved road concept is saying, hey, I want you to adopt the cloud. I want you to adopt it. Here's a paved road to do that. Use it this way. You're fine. And yes, I'm going to put guardrails, but hopefully you're not going to run into them because... I mean, if you move off the paved road, yeah, maybe you'll get electrified. But generally speaking, if you stay on the paved road, you're going to be fine. So I actually want you to go this way. I'm going to enable it. But in order to build this paved road, you need to know where it's going. You need to be ahead of the game, which is very much very much lacking today, mindset-wise. It's very reactive. We did our startup. Again, it was in serverless security, and that was very advanced. I mean, you can only imagine when I talked with organizations, Nine out of 10 security organizations knew that the developers are using, let's say, AWS Lambda or serverless, but they didn't even know what it is. Like they didn't really know what it is, but it it was used already. By definition, going to be behind. The number one priority, back to your question, is no, you need to be ahead of the game. You need to put 20% of someone's time or put a CTO and understand where things are going so you can plan for it and build these paved roads. If you don't build a paved road, people will be just doing anything they want. I don't know if you remember pirating movies, downloading movies. You remember Emu, BitTorrent was so prevalent. So prevalent. Why? Because there was no easy way to consume content on demand. Since Netflix and Amazon, people are fine with paying or on demand VOD. People are fine with paying as long as it's easy. There is a paved road. Thank you. I'll use it. You're going to add friction. (laughs) I'm going to pirate.
1: (laughs) I'm going to find a way around it to get what I want. That's that's always how it goes. It's always. (laughs) I think that paved road is a very important message to take forward because as you say, then we don't have the mistakes. We don't have the issues and we don't have people cheating the system to get what they want. So say there's an organization out there who is just on the fence about, okay, let's go over to the cloud. What would be the kind of top pieces of advice that you would give to them before even embarking on this journey? CISOs are all prepared, they know what they need to do, but what do they need to do to make sure there aren't those mistakes and issues?
0: First, really this concept, like you said, of a paved road is very important. Whatever you do at the end of this, if you add friction to the process, then you're gonna lose the battle. So number one, I mentioned it a bit before, go talk with developers. Go talk with the application, people who actually build this stuff you're supposed to protect and understand their workflow, and you need to adapt whatever security you put in place to their workflow. Think about you and me. If someone comes to us and say, "Hey, listen, yeah, you can do this, but before you do this, you need to do also," you're gonna, say, dude, listen, just leave me alone. I'm gonna find a way around this. So you need to understand how many CISOs, like if I had to guess how many CISOs or security practitioners understand the development process, my guess would be 99% don't. What does it look like when I deploy new code? How do I test it? What's the process? And here's an example. You'll find a lot of people from a security perspective say, yeah, deploy it. And then I'll come back to you in, in three days from now if I find an issue. Three days. I've already moved to the next application. You're killing me with the three days. I'll just find a way around it. So one, understand your customer. <laughs> really understand him. What is he working on? What does it look like? How can you apply whatever you're applying as smoothly as possible into his process? So that's number one. So people do DevOps, find people who understand and can speak their language, like literally, and are not afraid when people say code or Python or whatever, you're not getting like, oh my God, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's number one. And by the way, you know, it's interesting. I talked with a lot of uh, more advanced, let's call them security organizations. They're hiring developers, people with development background because they can speak the language. So that's number one. Number two, I would say that as far as sort of the evolution, the journey. Don't try to boil the ocean because 99% of the time that would fail. And I think that you need to go through sort of a journey and almost like I would say like grades in school, like K to 12, like elementary school, high school, and then go to college if you can. But I would say that the elementary school, is to do the things that you've always done before cloud, but to find a way to do them in an automated continuous fashion, which is number one, make sure that your sort of cloud perimeter is protected. If you think about the blueprint, everyone has for the last whatever 30 years is, okay, I have a data center, I need to put a firewall on the front, right? Or a gateway security to inspect everything that comes in and to inspect things that are coming up. So find a way to automatically deploy sort of perimeter protection for your cloud environment so if your developer is launching a new amazon vpc so data center make sure that you can put whatever gateway security you can automatically there and make sure that it's pre-configured because it's a paved road so that's number one that's elementary school and then the second part of elementary school is find a way to automate security posture management so again when you were before the cloud You had something that made sure that machines are patched, that there's no known vulnerabilities, that permissions are managed. This problem is way bigger in the cloud. Think about a company like Zoom, that when they started, they had maybe 100 machines in the cloud, probably now they have 100,000. So how do you make sure that all of these machines are properly configured? You know, there are according corporate standards that have only the right permissions. And now you're using hundred different AWS or Azure or GCP services. How do you know that they're configured? So you need to automate in a continuous fashion, what's called cloud security pasture management. So that's an area. Like if you look at Gartner, they have a thing. It's called Cloud Security Posture Management, CSPM. That's elementary school. Before you start preventing things and doing some crazy containers and serverless and whatever, protect the perimeter just like you used to do. Just make sure that you can do this at cloud scale and speed because that same data center that you're protecting today supports a gig. Tomorrow it supports 100 gig and then a day after it supports one gig again because that's the cloud. It's elastic. Moves. It expands. So... Make sure that you can automate traditional network security elements, but you can make them at cloud scale and speed, and cloud security posture management. Something that can automatically, every time something gets configured, it automatically gets checked against whatever it is, whether it's compliance regulations like PCI or your own corporate standards, and it does that continuously in an automated fashion. Someone opens a new account, it automatically gets checked according to your standard. You don't need to ask your developer for anything. Like you don't go to the developer and say, hey, change your habits in order for me to be able to do that. So network security for the cloud and cloud security posture management is sort of elementary school. Before you do that, don't do anything else because you're going to fail anyway. And these are really the biggest problems because I don't know if you ran into this, but there's a lot of research that shows totally not surprising that over 70% of cloud breaches are a result of misconfiguration. So you read probably, I mean, maybe you write about it and you read about it that, hey, someone left this street bucket on Amazon open, it was public and 99% of humanity had access to it. And it's not surprising that this is happening. If I have things that change all the time and they automatically scale and I can have one today and a 10,000 tomorrow, of course, something is going to be misconfigured if I'm trying to do it manually, for sure. So the ability to prevent these things is the number one priority should be. Like start with a way to continuously automate security posture management. Make sure that your act is together, that you are not suspect to the very basic things of, oh, we left this open. Ah, damn it. (laughs) Right. So that's number one. So I think that's elementary school. And then when you graduate elementary school, you go to that party, the prom and everything. And then you can start thinking about sort of what's running inside your cloud. And that's more the applications themselves because the perimeter, the network side and the cloud security posture management doesn't really solve your application security issues. If you have a vulnerability inside the application, you're suspect to something like an SQL injection. I didn't take care of it. I just made sure that my infrastructure and my, Let's call it my virtual infrastructure is properly configured and I'm blocking network stuff and I'm segmenting things. So now you graduate to application and then you're going to find it a bit boring maybe. But again, your biggest challenge is scale and speed. That's your biggest challenge again, because application security is one of these things where historically someone developed an application, tried to deploy it. And like I mentioned before, you come and you say, hey, I need a month to configure my web application firewall and fine tune rules. Forget a month. You don't have an hour. Things change on the minute with these new technologies. So you need now to find a way to automate application security in the cloud. So how does AppSec look like when you can't sit down and fine tune anything? And then, like I mentioned before, you have to automate the presence of, let's call it the application security elements. So what I mean by the presence is if the developer deployed something, I want to make sure that AppSec is there automatically without me asking the developer anything. It's part of the deployment process. The presence of security needs to be automated. The second piece that needs to be automated is the how do I really need now to manually configure something or I can just make sure it automatically adapts to the changes. But if it's not, you're going to fail at some point. At some point, there's going to be a gap because these things change all the time and you're going to be behind or you're going to have to tell the developer, hey, wait, I need to configure something, which is, again, like I said, it's not a fun experience in 2020 because they're just going to run over you most of the time. So automating AppSec is a huge priority. And I think that a lot of organizations, and I'm seeing it already in the last couple of years, but it's accelerated with COVID, is they say, oh my God, I just can't handle these rapid changes with my current AppSec technology. Whatever web application firewall I have or something, it wasn't designed to be always adapting automatically to changes. It just wasn't designed. It's breaking down. So I think... High school is sort of automating AppSec and the second, I would say like the last 12th year in high school, when you're in your senior year, you sort of start to tackle the actual workloads that make the application security. So if you think about what is this application made of, okay, I I put some AppSec in the full context of the application. But this application, it used to be only virtual machines in the cloud. Now it's containers. It's serverless functions and they are interconnected and they are connected to other elements in my infrastructure. How do I protect the workloads themselves? And how do I do that in an automated fashion? Which is sort of almost like zooming in into the what's making the application. So that's your senior year in high school. So technologies like container security, Kubernetes security, host security, serverless security. Gartner calls this stuff workload protection. And then sort of you finished high school if you, if you ever get there. And now you can sort of almost like take a deep breath and zoom back up and look at your entire infrastructure and say, okay, now how do I get visibility, observability to identify threats that are not happening on a component level, but they're cross cloud. Like something that happened because it's not that I could see the attack on that container, but that container called that function, called that database, and a lot of data went out, that doesn't look right. Or this user assumed this role and tried to do something that doesn't look right. So how do you do things which are more like cloud native threat? Almost think about like cloud native detection, IDS, incident detections or uh, attack detection. So that's sort of, I would say, college where you can look at your entire infrastructure and understand context across everything, whether it's on Amazon or Azure or GCP and across everything you have. So if I summarize elementary school is start like your your cloud perimeters, do segmentation and identify attacks at cloud scaling speed, do cloud security posture management. So making sure that you know what's there, that it's properly configured, that you don't have known vulnerabilities, just make sure that you reduce the attack surface dramatically by just doing these two things, segmenting on the macro level and identifying network threats, and then do cloud security posture management, graduate to application security, make sure it's automated. And then when you graduate application security, double click, zoom in into what's making the application and try to tackle workload protection and whatever these workloads are. And then when you graduate this uh, high school side things, move up and look at observability, detection and response on cloud, across cloud scale. Actually everything I just mentioned, unfortunately or fortunately you need to do wherever your cloud is. If it's on AWS, Azure, or a mix, a hybrid, you'll need to be able to do that everywhere. You need to do security, which is posture and prevention. You need to make sure it's automated both from the presence of security and the security policies have to be automated. And you need to do it everywhere, whether it's the different cloud providers or different workloads. It's a journey, not an easy one.
1: (laughs) Not an easy one at all. And TJ, I think if everyone followed that, you and me might be struggling for work. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but that's why it's a journey, right? You can't do everything.
0: One of the points you mentioned was how do you balance between today and tomorrow? You know, a, a lot of the times you probably talk with a lot of people where they say, "Yeah, man, I, I'm just I can't do everything." Yeah, you don't
1: need to do everything. Yeah, you can't delegate and balance. That's what comes down to it, and yeah, hopefully have a strong end result. I have one final question before I let you go here, and I wanted to just get. Your overall thoughts of what we've been discussing today, we've covered a lot of good, important areas that people need to be paying attention to, but what do you hope to see happen in the future in terms of implementation and steps that people take? What is your kind of hope for where this is all heading?
0: If I could choose one thing, And uh, would be the security organization, which both of us touched on earlier, security organizations becoming part of future planning rather than reactive. And it's amazing that we're still talking about it in 2020, but it's still the case. It's still the case. And it's back to the move from no to no with a K. I want to see. Most organizations, at least bigger ones, I'm not talking about a startup with five people, but organizations that have a security practice and they they are definitely IT driven, and that's a lot of organizations, they have sort of a chief security technology officer. I want to see that. I want to see someone who has a real roadmap to security that is not driven by reacting to what happened last week that we didn't know happened. And I think that is the essence because until we're there, as long as we are reacting, we're always going to be behind, which is sort of okay for you and me, right? Because we're going to be able to talk about a lot of stuff in the future. (laughs) But, But I think that's the real change. You know, if I go on LinkedIn now and I try to search for someone who's handling technology roadmap and innovation in security, I think we're not going to find a lot of them. And by definition, you're going to lose the battle because think about the people we are protecting. All their day is spent on future. That's what they do. They adopt new things. They move. They try. What's new? Oh, this. Oh, wow. This, this is so last year. <laughs> I want to do the new thing. And you're on the security side. You're, you didn't even read about the new thing. You were still tackling the thing from a year ago. Yeah. So you don't have a roadmap. You're going to be behind. That's why I say I think until people spend 20% of their time or at least they have a person, let's start with a person, that deals with future. In a year from now, this is what's going to happen. This is how developers are going to deploy applications. This is how processes are going to change. This is how technology is going to change. And this is what we should have in mind to be able to tackle that and what actions should we take. Here's our security lab. Here's our innovation lab. That's what I think If someone tasked me with doing this in a large organization, that's the first thing I would do. I would hire a technologist, a visionary, someone that can sit with the CTO of the company and say, yeah, you're my best buddy, not these security people. I want to know where you're going. I want to actually help you get there and automate your way together and build your paved road Mm -hmm. when you're getting there. So I think that's the biggest thing. Until we do that, we're always going to be behind.
1: (laughs) It's just, that's the way it's going to be. No, I 100 percent agree, and it's it's something that organizations should be looking at instead of just playing catch up when a threat comes in or or things like that. Because I speak to you know industry independent analysts every week, but they're not being hired day in day out for companies to kind of just sit, as you say, talk what's coming, what the issue is going to be. Yeah, obviously it's hard to predict. You know, no one could have predicted what what's happened this year, but they can at least take a step in the right direction and get to that point. You mentioned
0: analysts. It's an interesting point. Analysts talk about the past. (laughs) I'm telling you. When an analyst writes a report, it's about things that are already there. Mm -hmm. I'm talking from a security analyst, and I love Gartner and IDC and Forbes. They're all great. But if there's a report out, it's out there already. It's things that happened. So you need to be your own analyst, sort of. And yeah, talk with analysts and understand where things are going. But you need to be your own analyst developers are spending tons of time going to conferences. When when a developer, an application or a CTO of a company goes to a conference, he goes to a conference about the future, about things that are going to happen. Which technologies are these cloud providers introducing? What are the new things? When the security guy goes to a conference, it's about how do we protect the stuff that was introduced two years ago? Yes. So it's just a very different (laughs) mindset, right? The whole industry needs to change. It can sort of maybe not predict the future but you can be involved in the future exactly way more than we are today and i think yeah it's an interesting mindset change it's going to take some time to get there but i could choose a job that sounds like a fun job right like outlining roadmaps for the future rather than chasing developers
1: that are trying to bypass the system be the change you want to see as they say so maybe that's where where you (laughs) need to be heading dj it's been great speaking to you today uh, i can't thank you enough so thank you very much for coming on today's podcast walking us through these issues and just giving your your outline and discussion on it awesome yeah pleasure thank you very much for having me thank you and thank you everyone who took the time to listen to this podcast we hope you took a lot away if you want more information please head over to checkpoint.com they've just got a new cloud security report out as well which is worth a read and you can find lots of great resources on their site we'll be back next week with another episode in our rc expert series you can join the conversation at em360 on our socials twitter and linkedin and for more great daily content of course head on over to em360tech.com You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.